Grumpy Old Geeks, a weekly talk show hosted by Brian Schulmeister and Jason DeFilippo, discussing the finer points of what went wrong on the internet and who's to blame. Welcome to Grumpy Old Geeks. I'm Jason DeFilippo. And I'm Brian Schulmeister. Good morning. Good morning, sir. What is new with you? Uh, new monitor, new <laughs> podcast layout, which is confusing me, and we're using a new uh, service to record. So what could possibly go wrong? What could possibly go wrong? Yeah, let's change up just about everything <laughs> before we do a show and test it for three minutes. Yes. Well, here we are. So hopefully this will go well. Uh, the other week we talked about, well, okay, for about seven years we've been talking about how Flash is on the chopping block and uh, it's going away for sure. And, you know, everybody around the world knew this for a long time and we had a countdown to Flash being taken away. And finally, Flash was dead and people were not ready for it. Of course um, not. We talked uh, last week about the Chinese railway service that ran their entire operations off of Flash, which, of course, is crazy enough to begin with. Uh, they did not get the memo for some reason. And their solution, of course, was to install some sort of hacked version of Flash they called Ghost Flash. And, oh, did we have a chuckle over that? Yes, we did. They weren't the only people. So <laughs> we, found, uh, we found a few more people that uh, did not get the memo that Flash was going away and didn't do anything about it. Uh, the South African Revenue Service, they would be the tax collectors of South Africa, and they were in the midst of their tax filing season and in the middle of weaning their e-filing systems off of Adobe Flash. So, of course, they were working on it, but they did not get it done in time. Sure, they were working on January 12th. <laughs> <laughs> sending waves of anxiety and frustration rippling through the country. And uh, let's see, how did they get around this? Hmm. To solve the problem, they moved their e-filing system to a new, and this is air quoted, browser built by a <laughs> Russian software company that ran an old version of Flash. Oh, my God. Next uh, week on Security, how, how the entire <laughs> entirety of South Africa has been uh, doxxed from Russian uh, hackers. Yes. But we're enough. not done yet here, Jason. Okay. The South Carolina Department of Health and Environmental Control, which regulates death certificate filings, relied on Flash software until January 11th, the day before Flash's own death. They had a late and rocky software transition, which extended okay. the limbo period for people waiting to lay their family members to rest. I suppose they're in Flash purgatory. Moving on, the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission. Oh, nice. <laughs> on January 13th, the SEC announced that people were experiencing technical issues filing Form 13-H, which is used as a reporting measure for people trading in very large sums of money, $20 million or more in a day, which ran on Flash. Let's put $20 million, transaction, $20 million plus transactions and let's put Flash on it. <laughs> Little assistance was offered except for a few workarounds such as Internet Explorer 11. On January 26, two weeks later, the technical issues were finally resolved. And, of course, schools all around the world because almost every single educational animation used heavily in elementary schools and science classes have been done in Adobe Flash forever. So all this free and accessible educational content during a period of time in which this is basically the only education occurring for people because they are all working from home does not work anymore. Lovely, 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 lovely. You know, some of these people should have taken either that tax money or those uh, SEC transaction fees or, uh, well, we know education doesn't have much of a budget, but somebody should have, you know, 
gone back and fixed that stuff beforehand. But, you know, when was the last time you had a Flash developer, like an enterprise, now this is, you know, an oxymoron <laughs> here, an enterprise Flash developer on staff <laughs> that could even remember that these things ran on Flash? Yep. Yeah. So good times for everybody. In the news. Uh, a while ago, we made a proclamation that we would not talk about WeWork anymore. We did? Yeah, we kind of did because we were we were dunking on them so bad and it was so crazy. And we kind of decided, hey, hold on a second. They're not really a technology company. Oh, that's right. That's right. So, <laughs> but they, they said aren't. they were. <laughs> but they said they were. Well, in the same way that Uber is. They've got an app. So, uh, I, I feel like we have to because there's special circumstances involved here. Now, the article is entitled, Somehow We Work is on the Cusp of Going Public. And it says, here's a surprise. The Wall Street Journal reported last week that WeWork now plans to go public this year with something called an SPAC, or Special Purpose Acquisition Company, that would value the company at $10 billion. Now, this is a fraction of the estimate that made us all scoff back, oh, two years ago. $10 billion um, still makes me scoff, by the way. <laughs> they, they actually own a fair amount of real estate. But oh, that's get, true. Yeah, that's so true. There's, there's yeah. that. They actually do have assets. Mm -hmm. um, $10 billion is a great deal more than the $2.9 billion that they were looking at uh, previously, or right now anyways. So this is, this is a way of getting around a traditional IPO, which basically means people can't like, scrutinize your company. So okay. if you feel like investing <laughs> and pouring a bunch of money into a company that hasn't been scrutinized, this is the way you do it. So they're going to uh, they're going to go that way. You know why they might be doing this? Because they've been pre-scrutinized from the previous IPO. <laughs> well, uh, yes. Uh, last February, T. Rowe Price declared its involvement in WeWork a terrible investment and a <laughs> debacle that had caused outsized headaches and disappointments. <laughs> yes, or, but, it, but know, it did spawn a couple podcasts. So. It did, it did, and uh, everybody basically made fun of them, particularly their founder Adam Newman, who sold the rights to the word "we" to the company for six million dollars. Yeah, can't forget that because you know we <laughs> kind of genius but, though, kind of <laughs> genius. I got to give him that. It is evil genius. Yes, it's, well, it's like now, yeah, <laughs> we troll. Yeah, now they've got somebody kind of normal running the company and they're giving up on all the different ideas that they had, like we education and we farming and we all the other crap that they were trying to do instead of just actually running the business they're supposed to be running. And uh, they are just running the business that they're supposed to be running now. And since things have kind of gotten back to a relative normalcy in a lot of the Asian markets, uh, they're doing great. And basically, I would almost even consider investing in WeWork at this point because at some point, we are coming back and we're going back to work. And a lot of offices and a lot of companies are giving up their office spaces because they're kind of down with this work from home thing. So there is a real possibility that coming out of this pandemic, unfortunately, WeWork might do quite well. What an interesting turn of events. Right. Get rid of the crazy founder, put an adult in charge, and you might actually make some money. You listening, Tesla? <laughs> oh, <laughs> Oh, zing. Well, yeah, let's talk about Tesla there for a second now. They have just bought $1.5 billion in Bitcoin. Now, mm -hmm. there's there's something that's going on here that I really don't... I can't find the timeline on the, on this. I don't know when they actually made the purchase of the Bitcoin. I'm not because, sure either. I'm willing to bet it was approximately two days ago when I checked my Coinbase and all of a sudden I had made money in Bitcoin. See, I would expect it to have been three days ago because I think Elon Musk's tweet was two days ago where he pumped the value of ah, Bitcoin. Yes. 
Right. Now, this is where we need regulation, people, <laughs> because <laughs> all Tesla really had to do was go in, buy the $1.5 in Bitcoin. You know, the great leader goes and pumps it up. And then they can come back and say, no, we made a mistake. Dump it. And then there's their working capital for the next six months. You know? Yep. It's, it's nuts. It's nuts. not that different from what happened with GameStop, except <laughs> the people didn't get out in time. <laughs> mm -hmm. Exactly. So, yeah, this is all because Tesla says they plan to accept Bitcoin as a payment for their, their swanky space cars. Yes. And Which is uh, silly. Yeah, I mean, put because it you don't want to be that guy that bought the pizza that's now worth thirteen million dollars. <laughs> well, the guy that bought the pizza is worth nothing. The guy that made the pizza is a gazillionaire. <laughs> um, so the interesting thing about it, though, really is that uh, yeah, this is just the wild west, and I I fear for the the sanity of Tesla because what if that you know somebody comes in and devalues Bitcoin somehow. Or did does something because we, as we know, it's a gameable currency, quote unquote yep. currency. Yeah. So that one point five billion, if if you know, by some great miracle, Bitcoin dropped in half, they'd lost seven hundred and fifty million dollars, which can't you know? <laughs> I mean, they're not Apple. <laughs> no. You know that they would can't sting. Really afford that? Yeah. Yeah. That would hurt. So this seems like an unnecessary risk to me. If I was a shareholder, I would say this is a very unnecessary risk. As a As shareholder, a shareholder Brian, I am what, saying. <laughs> that's what I was going to ask next. What do you think? I'm not a fan. I think it's a silly move, but Elon Musk does tons of silly moves. And yeah, I don't like it at all. Get your money out of gameable uh, currencies. Jesus Christ, what are you thinking? Uh, because, you know, all it takes is 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 these, these Redditors to turn around and go, hmm. Let's let's mess with Tesla by messing with Bitcoin right now. And, and Tesla was already in their sights after yeah. the GameStop thing. They're, they're just basically searching for a target. They're like a torpedo that's homing beacon is still on. <laughs> and Tesla is swimming through the water with a couple other ones that they're just waiting to get locked on to. You know? Well, the thing that they may need to be able to do that is a stable trading platform that will let them. Which right. leads into my next story. People right. are furious with Robinhood, but they keep on downloading it. Yeah. So they are furious with Robinhood because Robinhood basically restricted trades on a number of the meme stocks like GameStop uh, right when we were in the middle of it. So they basically said, oh, let's put pause on this here. Now, in their defense, there is a very real reason why they did this. Uh, basically, they did not have enough cash on hand. And because of regulations, if they do not have that cash on hand, they cannot uh, cover these trades. Okay. That was the issue. So they stopped the trades because we do not have the the money to cover this and nobody's giving it to us. Now, the next day they got a billion dollars of investment and all that sort of stuff. So they yeah. have upped their amount that they can actually trade and continue to do and all that sort of stuff. Before you continue, though, the lawsuits. Um, yes. Because I've seen people say, well, basically, if you read the terms and conditions, you would find out that your lawsuit won't actually work. Have you heard yes. much about that? No, I've just heard that lawsuits have been filed, but I, I assume that the terms and conditions when one would assume, and and again, this is a very dangerous thing, Jason, because every time we assume anything about a tech company, it makes an ass out of you and me. Yeah, uh, but one would assume that the, their terms and conditions were pretty airtight, and you would get pretty airtight terms and conditions if you were running a financial system. However, we shall see. However. <laughs> There are a lot of people uh, calling for Apple to buy Coinbase and become a, a you know, basically a Bitcoin trading house. I don't see house. Apple getting anywhere near cryptocurrency. 
Yeah, I'm just like somebody has been hitting the uh, the the <laughs> wee drink too much that night because that that is so not in their wheelhouse. No, in any Apple, way, shape, Microsoft, nobody, none of those big guys are going to get anywhere near this stuff. Oh, but wait, Apple does have an, a the, one of the world's largest payment platforms, and they sell a bunch of digital goods. So if you actually do think about it for a second, it might make a good play to have a cryptocurrency behind Apple, but Bitcoin would probably not be the right one. Apple coin, on the other hand, or Jobs coin, sure, if <laughs> they control turtleneck coin, yeah. Or uh, what's the uh, what's the Facebook one that is stuck in? Oh, jeez, <laughs> isn't that one dead now? I can't even remember. Uh, well, every time called. we every time we think it's dead, they come back and say, you know, okay, we'll do more regulation. Okay, we'll do more regulation, <laughs> and then turns out that there's I don't think there's enough regulation in the world to let Facebook run a global currency of that that scale. All right. Uh, well, we just went on a massive tangent. The main point of the story that I had was <laughs> was basically everybody hates this app, but they keep downloading it, which is basically humanity and the Internet in a nutshell. I hate this thing. I need to keep using it. So everybody complained about it. It's had its biggest download days ever. Uh, just, just proving there's no such thing as bad publicity. Speaking of things that people hate but keep on using it anyway, you've got some Twitter news in here. Twitter confirms plans to experiment with new models like subscriptions. A new model to Twitter. A new model that we've it's been, new to you. <laughs> yeah, that we've been clamoring for from Twitter since I don't know day one. It's like yeah. yeah. Well, you know they're not going to roll out basically just a standard subscription model. It's going to be some kludged weird ass shit. So uh, they're continuing to explore the addition of subscription services and other paid features to supplement its advertising revenues, according to a report from Bloomberg this morning. They're considering a range of ideas, including tipping, paid customer facing features like profile customizations. Oh boy, that would be great. Do we get spinning cursors? Can we make <laughs> it look like MySpace? or an undo send option or subscription-based access to Twitter's TweetDeck app. Okay, define undo send. How is that different from delete? I don't know. <laughs> I would just like to know that. Maybe I, visibility I, is set to zero on that one. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the funny part is it's like the one thing that everybody wants is not in that list of paid features, which is, of course not. can I edit my fucking tweet? No. No. Nope, still can't do that. Yeah, so uh, they're going to do something. They won't provide any details. I, I do like Jack Dorsey. This is why Jack Dorsey runs these sorts of companies, and we don't. Here is the statement. We do think there is a world where subscription is complementary. We think there is a world where commerce is complementary. You can imagine work around helping people manage paywalls as well that we believe is complementary. So that's what we're looking for. We have a small team who's exploring our options. Obviously, we're hiring for those teams, he said. He had noted. That says nothing. No. That's an entire paragraph of nothing. It's Jack. What do you want? Yeah, exactly. It, it, exactly. It is Jack. It's Jack shit. Jack shit. That's right. Uh, I, this one came across my desk this morning. It's new AI tool predicts who will die from COVID-19 with 90% accuracy. Hmm. hmm. They say the system could help prioritize vaccinations, predict or respirator mm -hmm. demands. What could go wrong with this one? Uh, this comes from um, the University of Copenhagen. Mm -hmm. They say they have developed an AI tool that can do these predictions with up to 90% accuracy. And they use data from almost 4,000, count them, 4,000 COVID-19 patients in Denmark. That's as many people as we get in one day in Los Angeles. One day. That's right. <laughs> uh, I, I, I uh, would like you Danes to come join us in Los Angeles, please. Because I guess you can fly here. We can't fly there. So you might as well just come here or right. we could upload you some data. But 4,000 is a fairly small sample size considering the scope of people that have been been infected with this mm -hmm. i'm just saying just saying and uh 
Yeah, and they can say with 80% accuracy, uh, people who were admitted to the hospital, if they'll need a respirator or not. Now, the the article goes on. I'm like, okay, you have the data, right? Mm -hmm. So you have your training model. You have your AI back end. So you know what the outcomes are. Mm -hmm. You have the inputs. You know what the outcomes are. Why is this only 90% accurate? Why can't you tweak the model to be, I don't know, 100% accurate since you have the answers? It doesn't it, – <laughs> I, I don't understand why the – why there's the lag here. I'm just well, saying – there's always outliers, Jason. Okay. Uh, but they do go on to say, unsurprisingly, BMI and age were the most decisive indicators. Mm-hmm. They also showed that males and people with high blood pressure or neurological disease had elevated risk, which we knew from the data that we put into the damn machine. Why can't the machine mm-hmm. just spit it? I'm just saying that this is a bad idea. I mean – if we can't even have facial recognition work right without bias so the the ability here to game the system and use this for prioritizing vaccinations or hospital beds would be the height of stupidity which means it'll probably be rolling out on uh, microsoft <laughs> azure next week as a service sign uh, up I, now i mean i agree with you in that it should not be made it should not be used for triage it should not be made for actual hospital level decision making in terms of who is getting care and how we're rolling that out however i do like the idea of using these models just for preparation right mm-hmm. like okay we are we obviously need to order more respirators or we obviously need to get more beds into our hospitals our models are showing us that we are understaffed and we are under under equipped etc etc and we use that data to bring us up to snuff but we do not use the data to actually decide who gets the bed okay uh there's other factors i would like to put into uh what what this ai is determining too i would like to i would like iq um i would like propensity to vote for specific political parties, uh, conspiracy theory websites they've visited, all the different things to find out if they're just dumb. Yes. Uh, Have you posted about not wearing a mask? You do not get a bed. Exactly. Exactly. I want other factors to be taken into account for this data model when they train it is all I'm saying. I'm Mm -hmm. all I'm saying. But as a thought experiment for machine learning, it's perfect. (laughs) Unfortunately, we are not allowed to discriminate against stupid. (laughs) No. Yeah, our country would be a much different place if we were. We're, Apparently, we're allowed to discriminate against everything else in this country, but not stupid. Moving on, what do we got? (laughs) Well, right after we hit stop on our recording last week, the big news was announced that Jeff Bezos would step down in July. He will be replaced by Andy Jassy uh, over at Amazon. He will be the brand new CEO, the first time in 27 years, the entire life of Amazon's uh, existence, that there will be a new CEO. And I read this really long article over on Vox about what to expect from Amazon's new CEO, Andy Jassy. And it basically says he's been shadowing him for like the last 20 years. So same thing. No, so we're not going to get sassy Jesse. Nope. Nope. We're just going to get a Bezos clone. Great. Uh, he, he has been running the cloud ser- Amazon web services. So we can expect uh, no passwords no. <laughs> uh, automatically enabled on anything. That's well, I mean, it, he wasn't running Amazon web services. He basically built that thing. So yeah. He's uh no, he's a heavy hitter over there. So yep. we've all been working from home. We've all got some new computers here and there, new gadgets, new tablets, new mm-hmm. super lacking ding dong things here. I just got a couple of them yesterday. Um, so it turns so. out working from home has caused a massive chip shortage. And Doritos? Uh, that well, no, I've got Tostitos and Lay's here. I've got oh, okay. I've got cases of those. I wish Doritos, man, but I just blow up like a balloon. Anyway, moving on. So 
car companies are having a really big problem with this right now because they don't have the chips to put in the cars for all of their super fancy new EV cars and things like that. So they've had to roll production back. It's going to cost them billions. And turns out uh, the iPhone might also be getting hit with this as well because some of those new fancy LiDAR chips. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, well, turns out they don't have all the, the components for those and they're hard to make. You know what? Maybe we need to do for just another year or so until this whole pandemic thing is kind of sorted out and solved. Maybe we don't need a brand new phone or a brand new car. Must Maybe we just exist with our <laughs> iPhone that we have for another year. Well, you can say that when you when until you sit on your iPhone and you break it and you still need a new one. Um, I'm th- I was thinking more along the lines of why the fuck is lidar in a phone anyway? That's a good point. Yeah, so if they if, if the car companies need the lidar for the cars, which aren't going to be self driving for another twenty years anyway, but they think they need them, give them to them and you know take give me an iPhone twelve Pro with no lidar. There's not a situation where i need lidar make it a make it an external component something i need exhaustive statistics on the fall rate of my phone when i smash it and break it (laughs) well no it will map the world in 3d as it falls so you can (laughs) recreate it and send it to the ntsb (laughs) and do that i gotta say the only cool thing about the lidar is that there are apps out there that let you scan your environment and make 3d models which everybody will try once and then forget the app is there and never use it again Mm-hmm. So <laughs> anyway, save the LiDAR for the, the new AR glasses that you're building, guys. That's all I'm saying. Or what they could do is they can go to Toyota and pull out a couple of those chips that Toyota has apparently put into the world's first self-drifting car. Guess what we need? <laughs> yeah. Did you watch the, the video? I did. It drifts. It drifts. Yep. That's it. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's what it says on the tin. Self-drifting car. But you got to admit, the title of the article is why I put it in here. Watch Toyota's self-drifting car put Vin Diesel out of a job. I'm like, Vin Diesel still has a job? Last I saw, he was singing for the pandemic. So I've never understood the lure of Vin Diesel, but there you go. I, he was good in the first uh, Pitch Black movie. I liked him in that. The rest of them, no. And I've never seen a Fast and Furious movie. So. Yeah, if you need to cast somebody to grunt and just kind of stare off into space, he's your man. Candy. I don't suppose you watched the Super Bowl, did you? I'm a puppy bowl kind of guy. I figured. Yeah. Well, you didn't miss much. It was incredibly boring. And what I definitely what I definitely learned is that the Super Bowl, when watched home alone by yourself, is not worth its time at all. You your family wasn't even there? They they absconded. No, well, they don't you? care. Like, oh. yeah, they were they were watching like stuff in the back bedroom. They don't you know, whatever. So yeah, you kind of need to watch it with people that have some passing interest in sports ball and have the big party and all that. Otherwise it's just the But uh Reddit has aired its first Super Bowl spot celebrating the famous Wall Street Bets subreddit. It aired for exactly five seconds. It was very Max Headroom esque. Uh, kind of thing so it showed the orange and white logo with you know they did of course the standard like you hear almost the the static and the and the record screech like this isn't supposed to be here we uh-huh. act into this kind of bullshit <laughs> shit we did in the 80s on cd-roms exactly and it said if you're reading this it means our bets paid off one thing we learned from our communities last week is that underdogs can accomplish just about anything when we come together around a common area okay <laughs> <laughs> that that was basically it. Now I'd like to point out that Reddit is hardly an underdog. No they shit. like to call themselves the homepage of the internet. That does not sound like an underdog to me. 
Yeah, I don't know. Are, are they still owned by Condé Nast, or were they? I think they were they sold off. But I don't know. They're either way, they're not a underdog. fucking underdog. <laughs> no, they're the big dog. Yes. So I thought that was rather ironic. Uh, moving on from that, uh, this particular special, which forced me to go use Hulu, which still has an absolute horrific interface. It's, it's gotten just, better. It's, it's gotten that better. That says something. That I'll, says I'll, something. I'll tell you it's that. gotten better. I mean, honestly, if you set five monkeys down and to program a UI, it would have been better than what they had. And that's obviously what they did. So uh, they did it. But this, this, this show became a bit of a cause celebrate. It was posted everywhere. Everybody was talking about it. And I will just say I went to go watch it. It is Derek Delgadio's In and of Itself. Uh, I cannot talk about it because if I talk about it, it will ruin it. It was delightful. It was. Okay. It was absolutely it delightful. Absolutely delightful. Like, gave me a bit of faith in humanity for a minute. Yep. I actually went back last night and watched uh, – there's the one segment in the middle about the wolf and the dog. Mm -hmm. I went back and rewatched that segment last night because I think that was, for me, the best segment of the show because that's just skill. I mean, that was just pure skill and fun <laughs> to watch. So, yeah, yeah I've, I can't you know, recommend this more highly. It was just yep. so much fun. So much fun. I wish I'd have gotten to see it in, in, in person on stage. I would have been a mind fuck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was very well done. So the other thing that happened uh, this last week, The Expanse Season 5 finale. Yes, it did. What did you think? Well, um, there was there was definitely some uh, spoiler alerts coming now. Just so if you want to fast forward for five seconds, if you haven't seen or five minutes, if you haven't seen it. Now <laughs> Maybe five time. minutes. <laughs> the thing about it is I, I was so bored with the entire damn season. So there was yep. at least some good stuff in in here. Uh, yes, uh, the 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 Alex twist was a little what the fuck until later on, which we'll talk about in a second. <laughs> and uh, the very ending though, I thought was phenomenal. And I actually had to explain it to a friend of the show. I'm not going to even tell who it is because they, they might get embarrassed, but yes, <laughs> I had to explain the ending to uh, a couple, a couple friends actually. And uh, I was just like, I can't wait for next season now. Even though this one was boring as fuck. Next season, I can't wait. I feel like they were definitely treading water this season. They, they'd spent the entire time doing next to nothing. But the, the end, yeah, I agree. They, it was a good setup. It, it felt very Empire Strikes Back. At the end, they're all just kind of sitting around and, and staring off into space. And you know shit's about to go down, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, so, then, yeah. the, I mean, the final scene is what... Yeah, that was okay. very good. Yeah, I'm just making sure you got it because the people I talked to didn't get that last scene. So <laughs> it's like, uh, yeah, that that was kind of important. <laughs> a little bit. Mm -hmm. Now, here's the thing I don't get. Um, there was a bit of a twist. Uh, Alex, I hope everybody's still spoiler alerting. Skip ahead again. Alex dies. Now, you and I have been big fans of The Expanse since it started. We are on the internets all the time looking for stories for our show. How did we miss the whole thing that this guy is an asshole and basically got canceled and they had to write him the actor and had to write him out of the show? So, of course, they killed him this season. How did we how were we not aware of this? I have no idea because that happened <laughs> back in November. Yeah, I don't get it. Like we read the news constantly. We would have seen this. It was all over the place. Deadline reported in November that the show had been renewed for one final season and that Cass Anvar would not be returning for it. So obviously he's going to die. Yeah. Whoops. Missed that. <laughs> uh, yeah. We're, we're bad internet people, I guess. Apparently, I, I, I just, I am shocked that this one just kind of somehow eluded both of us. 
Yeah. <laughs> so it was, uh, yeah, there was no spoilers for us. That's for sure. Uh, it's a bummer, though, because he was my second favorite character. So, yeah, yeah. And uh, quite a, an important character in the book moving forward, too. So obviously this is going to uh, vary wildly from the books moving forward. Well, I guess just one more season. So. Uh, yeah, well, hopefully too, but we'll see. The, the thing about this is this, my faith in Hollywood has been shaken, shook. I tell you, my faith in Hollywood has been shook because this is like, you know, a mid-level character in a mid-level show and Hollywood used to be really fucking good at covering shit up. You know, they used to be really good at it, you yeah, know, for well, the for the fans. They did it for the fans, which you can believe that if you want to. <laughs> they did it to keep the damn show going and not screw it up. But you'd think that, you know, okay, this guy, he, he didn't, I mean, yeah, he was creepy. He was a jerk, but he wasn't like criminally creepy. He wasn't a Weinstein, as far as I could tell. So no, but uh, you know uh, you can't cover shit up anymore. You know, those plucky underdogs like Reddit yeah, make it impossible. Internet, fucking internet. <laughs> fucking so, internet. Uh, you know he used he used his his middling level of fame to basically try to get laid quite often. Yeah, well, that's what you do when you get famous. That's kind of why you get famous, damn it. But he sometimes just went about involving it the wrong way. underage targets. <laughs> well, you know that's the part where the cover ups come in. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Well, I guess they were busy with Marilyn Manson. <laughs> they must have been too busy that week. Yeah, their their Nambla budget had been drained for the month, so he didn't he couldn't get in on it. By the way, where is the why is anybody shocked and outraged that Marilyn Manson turns out to be a shitty dude? I thought we all knew this already. <laughs> I, I thought this was common knowledge. Yeah, yeah, we cleared this up a long time ago. <laughs> it's like, uh, I mean, uh, what's her name? Uh, Rose. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, I, yeah, the one that got all the plastic surgery. Um, I can't remember her name now. Uh, Rose McGowan. <laughs> Rose McGowan, that's it. After Rose McGowan, we all knew that he was a shitbag. So why is anything new coming out about him that we didn't already know? Anyway, uh, <laughs> I did watch Fake Famous on uh, HBO Max. Mm -hmm. And uh, did you get a chance to check this one out? Nope, not going to. Don't care. Good. Save your time. Save your money. Uh, Nick Bilton did this. He's, you know, a, a, usually a Twitter historian uh, and uh, other stuff. He's been around for a long time. He wrote the Twitter book that right. I covered on the show that I thought was, uh, okay, missed a bunch, but uh, that's what it was. Uh, so he made a movie and uh, he should have stuck to writing as far as I'm concerned. Uh, it could have been great. There were there were moments that where he was on the path. Could have been great. He made some really bad casting decisions, some really stupid casting decisions, and uh, just tried to be very vapid and surface level with a lot of this stuff. There was no real deepness to it. So I'm going to put a link in uh, the show notes here to what HBO's Fake Famous doesn't understand about young people and influencer culture. Um, okay. It's by Judy Berman and. Her wrap up of the uh, the movie is spot on perfect for I agree with everything in there. So if you want to check out a review before you waste your time on the movie, go read that one. Uh, if you want to waste your time on the movie, go for it. But it's nothing we don't already know being on the Internet. You know, anybody, <laughs> anybody with a fucking TikTok and Instagram account knows exactly what these people did. It's been out for a long time. So it was uh, it was honestly a waste of an hour and a half. This episode is sponsored by Mood. 420 celebrations come in all shapes and sizes, just like the many ways to enjoy your THC. 
Mood offers just the right buzz with their federally legal flower, gummies, vapes, and more, helping you find the perfect high. Mood is offering our listeners a free THCA pre-roll and 20% off your first order. Just head over to hellomood.com and use our exclusive code GOG. Mood's latest introduction, the THCA Flower, is a game-changer, offering the classic cannabis high with a twist. With 10 high-inducing strains, it's their most potent lineup yet. What's even better is that all Mood products are extracted from hemp, making them federally legal, and are regularly tested to ensure the highest quality. Sourced from small family farms, you're getting a product that's effective and pesticide-free. I tried several of their products from the uplifting Energized to the Mellow Chill, and I must say, each provided a unique, enjoyable high. My favorite? Definitely the creative strain. It sparked an incredible flow of ideas and got me through my daily projects with ease. Whether you're new to THC or a seasoned aficionado, Mood has something for every vibe. Their in-house experts have tailored different strains to match specific moods, offering a range of products to suit any preference. From delectable gummies to classic flower and convenient pre-rolls, there's a multitude of ways to enjoy Mood's offerings. Celebrate 420 exactly how you want to with Mood. Get 20% off your first order plus a free THCA pre-roll at hellomood.com with promo code GOG. That's hellomood.com. Code GOG. Today's episode is sponsored by Private Internet Access, America's number one virtual private network, also known as a VPN. Even if you use incognito mode, your internet service provider is storing your browsing data and many times even selling it. But Private Internet Access, or PIA, can help. PIA encrypts and reroutes your internet traffic through one of its own servers, hiding your data from your internet service provider or network admin. And with servers in over 75 countries, you can get unrestricted access to geoblock content around the world. PIA comes with an easy-to-use app and browser extensions for all devices, a rock-solid privacy policy, open-source security, advanced customization settings, and it was just ranked the fastest VPN in the world by PCMag. If you sign up with PIA right now, you can take advantage of a special deal only for GOG listeners. By using our link, gog.show VPN, you can get complete digital privacy for less than $2 a month and four extra months for free, which means only $1.98 a month and up to 83% off. That's so much more inexpensive than virtually every other VPN on the market. And if you get it right now, you can take PIA's 30-day risk-free challenge. You can try it out for 30 days and see if you like it. If not, just return it for a full refund. So go to gog.show slash VPN and try out the best VPN on the planet completely risk-free. That's gog.show slash VPN. This episode is brought to you by Delete Me. Today, I want to share something personal and honestly a bit alarming. Now, on this show, we talk a lot about how much of our personal info is out there. We're talking about home addresses, contact details, and even information about your family. And if you've ever felt that uneasy feeling about your privacy, you're not alone. That's why I want to tell you about Delete Me. It's a game changer for protecting your personal information. As someone who's been through the ringer with spam calls and phishing attempts, finding Delete Me felt like a breath of fresh air. Could your potential views expose you to cybercrimes, identity theft, or even violence in this election year? The amount of personal data available online has tripled from 2019 to 2023. 
angry individuals motivated by their political beliefs can now easily access personal details from data brokers for 98% of U.S. citizens, putting you at risk of harassment and identity theft. Fortunately, you can safeguard your data with DeleteMe. DeleteMe scours the internet, finding and removing you and your family's personal data from hundreds of data broker websites. And they don't just do it once, they monitor your information to ensure that it stays private. I signed up and provided the specifics on what I wanted to go, and the team at DeleteMe took it from there. They keep me in the loop with regular updates, showing exactly where my info was popping up and confirming when it was removed. Seeing how dedicated they are to protecting my privacy is a relief. Take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me, now available at a special discount for our listeners. Get 20% off your Delete Me plan today when you go to joindeleteme.com slash G-O-G and use promo code G-O-G at checkout. The only way to get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash G-O-G and enter code G-O-G at checkout. One more time, that's J-O-I-N-D-E-L-E-T-E-M-E dot com slash G-O-G with code G-O-G at checkout. Ups and doodads. So my wife is still working for a big corporate corporation type thingy and uh, work from home is continuing and they've been very good about uh, providing the occasional perk, including uh, here is a large sum of money for you to buy something to up your work from home game. You can use it at these specific retailers and uh, that's that. So we decided we needed a new monitor. I had a very, very old Dell uh, second monitor that we were plugging into. And uh, my wife really wanted a curved monitor, so we, we had X amount of dollars and I and a limited selection, and I found the one that fit the exact amount of dollars that we had from our limited selection and purchased it. Okay. It is the Samsung LC34J791WTN-XZA34-inch CJ791 Ultrawide Curved Gaming Monitor, comma, white. Yes. And it came, and my God, this is the biggest monitor I've ever seen in my entire life. And <laughs> I would have potentially murdered someone, certainly taken out their kneecaps uh, to get a monitor like this about 20 years ago. It's insane. So yep. you posted about this on Discord, and I'm mm -hmm. like, I looked at it, and I'm like, ooh, that looks interesting. <laughs> because I had a... Acer CB241HYK BMJDPRX 23.8 inch IPS Ultra HD 4K 100% sRGB monitor with tilt swivel pivot height adjustment and built-in speakers. Mm -hmm. It was a piece of garbage. <laughs> Acer monitors are garbage. Uh, so I'm like, you know, I, 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 we just got a little bit of money in. I might go ahead and, and order one of these. And I did immediately yep. because... <laughs> You put this on Discord at the witching hour, which I which I might say is after a few cocktails and before bedtime. When if you am... want Jason to purchase anything, that is the time to post it. <laughs> that is about it. I am I am supremely susceptible at that uh, <laughs> that hour, so I of course ordered it, and it came two days later, and I unboxed it and was like, "Holy shit, balls! This thing is big. <laughs> it's massive." 
The problem is my desk isn't wide enough for me to use it where I was going to use it because I was going to put it with my, my editing setup with my Yamaha monitors. My monitors have to be in a specific position. Well, if they're in that specific position with that monitor, they would be floating four feet off the ground in space. <laughs> so I had to make some adjustments for it. But I have to say that the thing is beautiful mm -hmm. and it is the best uh, editing monitor I've ever had in my life. I can have the widest logic project going on. It's just like, <laughs> it is, here's the great part about it. It is actually going to make me money because I can edit faster with that monitor, which means I can charge more and do more and pay it off faster and actually make money from it. So thank and you, that's Brian. That's the sign that of one. good technology. That is that is it. I actually yep. bought something that makes me money instead of sits on a on a shelf. I'm looking at you, Oculus, and uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, this monitor is going to be perfect for me back in the office that we're building in Toronto, where it'll sit on a on a, an adjustable desk that is very wide and can fit the monitor with everything else. Here, I have it attached to my very slimline uh, stand up or desk that's in my room. The monitor is at least. Uh, eight to ten inches wider than the desk itself <laughs> yes so it's i've had to cludge things around for especially for the podcast setup i literally have my mic boom is attached to my dresser that sits next to my desk because i can't <laughs> fit it on the desk to get around the monitor to be able to talk into the mic so it's a bit of a kludge here but this thing is is stunning and it will make the perfect home office once we actually have everything set up so yeah i i can't recommend this monitor enough i've never used anything quite like it i'm still trying to figure out window placement on it because like i just have so much space and so many windows and oh my god it's wonderful yeah it's pretty it's pretty interesting uh check out that uh, uh piece of software called magnet it lets you uh, like pin certain things to different spots in your screen if you're trying to make some kind of standardized layout. Yeah, um, yeah. Mine's on a uh, a massive Veradesk in my bedroom. So because I, I love my Veradesk because I can just put all of this crap on one little platform and it takes up the entire width of it. And there's just no extra <laughs> space. So those little PreSonus uh, studio monitors that I talked about on the show a while back, I got those and they sit right underneath it. I've got to say the speakers in the monitor themselves, not bad. I mean, obviously not as good as having anything like that, but certainly beats the hell out of your uh, laptop speakers. Yeah. And the speakers in my Acer monitor that I got rid of, mm. I, I, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was it was like the the speaker phone on a uh, danger sidekick. It was about right. the quality of it. So, <laughs> but then this came across the 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 wire today too, and I think the '90s called and want their movie props back. Or we could have just got this. This is the Aurora Seven prototype, and it comes with four count them four seventeen point three inch monitors with four K and uh, seven or three seven inch screens. At uh, you know, 1920 by 1200, and they're all in one laptop. Yep. That's and they're and when you fold them in, I looked at the prototype. They're held together by Velcro. <laughs> the thing weighs 12 kilograms and has a running battery time of a whopping wait for it 40 minutes. <laughs> it looks so stupid. It, <laughs> it does, you're right. It does look straight out of some sort of 90s sci-fi movie. Or Swordfish, that movie Swordfish. This yes, you yes. could see Hugh Jackman typing away on this in Swordfish, <laughs> or any shitty hackers you know, clip art that you would ever want to see. The thing is ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! But yeah, I, I saw that. I had to put that in here. 
<laughs> and uh, Brian, you might want to get one of these. They're cheap. They're easy. And if anybody has headphones that they, you know, over the year headphones, uh, this is the Anchor, the original under desk headphone stand mount. It's just a little uh, T hook that you stick under your desk and you hang mm-hmm. your headphones on. I, I use these all the time. I had to get a new one for this new setup I have. And uh, I just thought I'd tell people about it because they're important to have. Yep, that will uh, fit perfectly again with the Toronto office, not with this small desk that is dwarfed by a large monitor. Right yep. Now. And they're nice soft rubber. They're, 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 they're neat. <laughs> they're neat. Okay. And I saw this. You know, I, had to, I had to post this in here. Magtech Magnesium, which is what I take when I go to bed at night. Pop three mm-hmm. of those. I'm out like a light. So I had to go order some more. And I was reading the product description and I got down to the bottom and it said, the world's first open source supplement company. I'm like, oh, oh, do tell me more. Tell me (laughs) more. I can make my own magnesium now. Natural Stacks open source transparency program provides ingredient traceability and third party lab test results for every batch. It's powered by blockchain technology and supported by health lock for trans yeah trademark i don't know if it's health lock or health log i'm guessing it's health lock since it's secured by Mm -hmm. uh for transparent tamper proof trusted data so yes my fucking vitamins are on the blockchain but they don't have a eula and so let me get this straight you take uh, magnesium which is on the blockchain to go to bed in your to go lay down in your bed and fall asleep and your bed does have a eula yes my my bed has a eula my, you are so cyber. My vitamins are on the blockchain. But here's the funny thing. You know, I started to make fun of this and I'm like, wait a minute. This is exactly the use case you and I have said would be perfect mm-hmm. for blockchain technology. And lo and behold, here it is in my nightstand. No, it, is. It, it makes sense. I mean, this is how we can get around the I mean, this is this is how you solve the the organics issues and things of that nature. Like when you can see where your food or your supplements or whatever, where everything is coming from and it's open and transparent, that's a perfect use case for blockchain. At the library. I finished Heaven's River by Dennis E. Taylor, the latest uh, edition of the the Bobiverse books. Um, I I was surprised we got a new one. I thought it had ended pretty well, but I was also delighted that we got a new one, and I thoroughly enjoyed the story. And they've definitely teed it off for there to be more. I I don't need more, but I'm not going to complain. This isn't a, a story. This isn't a series that has worn out its welcome. Uh, I think the writing is just as good. I think the ideas are just as good. I think there's a lot more that he could still explore. So all hail Bobiverse. Yeah. And here's the funny thing. You know, Bob was in it. Yeah. You know, which is great. Yeah. <laughs> Not like the, I don't know, fucking laundry files where we haven't seen the main characters for how long now? Uh, long enough that I don't care about that series anymore. That that I was actually going to point that out as well. In comparison to the Laundry Files, which I am done with, uh, the Bobiverse has a lot more that they can do. Yeah. Yep, exactly. I like it. And I'm still listening to Calling Bullshit. And uh, you got to read this book, Brian. You're okay. going to love it. It's fucking <laughs> hilarious. They go through everything <laughs> and tear it down in a very humorous way. But as a, as a psychologist kind of guy who uh, dabbled in that in college... I think you will uh, thoroughly enjoy the book. Excellent. Security? We are joined again this week by Dave Bittner. Dave is the host of the CyberWire podcast and also the co-host of the social engineering podcast, Hacking Humans with Joe Kerrigan, as well as the co-host of Caveat with Ben Yellen, where they discuss law and policy as well as surveillance and privacy. Welcome back to... 
shit, we got nothing to talk about Star Wars on. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> well, uh, to be fair, purists would argue there's a lot to be talking about with Star Wars, but we just don't do the comics or the video games where yeah, all the action right. is currently taking place. <laughs> there is always. Uh, I mean, <laughs> like we need a reason. <laughs> <laughs> Have you had any update on your, your Star uh, Stormtrooper quest? Uh, well, I mean, no, I, I think we're waiting on COVID. I mean, uh, as I think last time we talked, a very kind listener uh, had um, had offered to uh, finance the purchase of a Stormtrooper uniform for me. Um, and uh, as much as I appreciate that and, um, yes, fantasize about it, uh, <laughs> is, it's, it's a bit uh, – I think it's a bit too much. So I think what we're going to do is when we get out of COVID – um, we're going to, I'm going to reach out to one of the local 500 firsts and, um, this, uh, kind listener is going to make a donation, uh, in our names, uh, in exchange for me being able to try on someone else's stormtrooper outfit, um, uh, you know, tr trot around in it, maybe do like a, a fundraiser event or something, just, you know, spend some time in a stormtrooper outfit, which is really the thing that I'm, I'm hoping to do. Um, and that way the money goes to a good cause, um, I get to do the thing I've always wanted to do and, you know, everybody wins. So that's where things stand. You know, of all the things that have been put on hold because of COVID, families have not seen each other for over a year. People are out of work. This is the one thing that I'm really hoping COVID ends for. <laughs> you and me both, man. <laughs> you and me both. <laughs> No, but uh, you know, had, I mean, how awesome that we that our, our listeners are so kind and generous to be able to provide such a to to provide such to 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 finance such folly, right? Uh, yes. I'm just uh, looking forward to having lots of pictures and and show art for the years to come. Yes. Oh, yes. there will be pictures. There will be pictures. Count on it. Count on it. I, and the hardest part is going to be that whoever the the poor 500 first person is of getting the thing back because I'm going to really you know try to make a break for it. Um, right? Like, yeah, I'm going to love the security cam video of you running down the street in the outfit. Right. <laughs> right. You'll never catch me, copper. Where's the land speeder? Hop on. Right, right. They'll be using the force to pull me back. Yeah. So. All right, gents. Well, I want to start off with this one from the New York Times. It's an opinion piece called They Stormed the Capitol. Their apps tracked them. Something mm -hmm. that we knew was going to happen, especially yep. with everybody holding their phone up and taking all their photos. But we have seen this before with some of the leaked data sets that the New York Times had gotten. And also there was one at the beginning of the pandemic that basically made me give up on everything because it was so good, which was the uh, the Florida party goers. Remember that one where they showed mm, the kids mm -hmm. on the beach at the yep. in Florida when it was on lockdown? And then they showed them when they went home and disseminated across the country. And right. But they that, were anonymized, Jason. They were anonymized. That's right. That's right. They just happened to to sleep at a certain place every night at the same time for all, all night long. But well, look, no way we, we we've, could correlate that. We've been yeah. talking about this for at least, I think, three years. Three years ago, around Thanksgiving time, uh, was one of the first times I believe that we actually talked about it. And then, Dave, you did you pointed that out as well. It's like, well, if they know where I sleep every single night. Mm -hmm. Like, how anonymized is this? Like, it's right. got to be one of the people that lives within this house, or it's a squirrel that got my phone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which in my house is a distinct possibility. But. <laughs> oh, yeah. And then you correlate yeah. that with where they go, where they spend their days. Okay, now I know where they work. 
And exactly. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, nowadays you can't do that because well, yeah. everybody's still well, stuck work at home. Well, work and home, same thing. You know? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Right. So right. They, they, they got another data set from the, uh, you know, the rush on the Capitol and basically did the same thing. Now, on, and this, this, they have a new twist on it now because now the data that they come back come with mobile advertising IDs. So they mm-hmm. can now track it with other databases. And hmm. put it all together, which it makes it even easier. Thank you. Thank you for your mm-hmm. uh, mobile ID sauce. Yep. The, the one thing that they do say in, in the article, which I thought was really good, was they talk about accuracy when it comes down to the Capitol riots because it is very difficult to pinpoint accuracy. So you can't – you can say somebody was at the Capitol. But not but, in Pelosi's office. Exactly. So they're hmm. like, this data will get you, you know, you know, there, but that last mile problem is on law enforcement and going to well, Facebook and watching God all those cameras videos. everywhere. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I thought it was a really good follow-up piece. Yeah. I wonder too, because I mean, you've got, you've got GPS, you've got, um, which is one has a certain amount of accuracy, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and not particularly high, and even worse, I suppose, when you're indoors, right? Mm-hmm. Um, a building is big and thick and and uh, <laughs> made of stone, as the uh, apparently the not impregnable, is. but thick and made of stone. <laughs> well, right, it helps right. if they open there up are, the gates for you. <laughs> yeah, there are glass parts of it, um, but uh, but then you've got Wi-Fi networks. So I'd imagine as these folks were moving around, they were pinging the different Wi-Fi access points. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wonder if they're, you know, same thing with Bluetooth. So I just the combination of all those things probably gives law enforcement a lot more accuracy. I have to yeah. wonder, is this the most um, well-documented crime scene in history? <laughs> I think so. It was certainly the most well-documented by the criminals themselves. Right. <laughs> right. Right. Yes. That, that is a better way to put it. Yeah. yeah. Didn't I mean, really need to call out know. Dexter on this one. <laughs> History's greatest self pwn. Uh, yeah. Uh, so yeah. I, my question, when as we talk about this, and, and you know, we we've known that this is so easy. How does this square with Tim Cook and Apple's position as we are the privacy phone? When so obviously they are not, no matter how hard they try. Well, you can turn off those mobile advertising IDs on your phone so they do not exist anymore. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's baby steps. It's baby steps. They're trying, but, you know, there's it's, it's a big hill to climb. Yeah. Uh, well, that's well, what we saw with their battle with his battle with Zuckerberg. You know, he, mm-hmm, he's trying yeah. to force Facebook to follow certain privacy guidelines and, and they want nothing to do with it. Well, I think a lot of it too has to do with the mobile carriers where, um, you know, a lot of your location data comes from that. And mm-hmm. didn't we see, did the, I'm trying to remember, did the mobile carriers stop selling that information when it was revealed that they did, right? Maybe for the second or third time, but the first time they kept on going. Yeah, the first time yeah. they definitely kept going. So I think it's, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean that's interesting. I mean, well, because there's a there's a difference there. There's a difference between being tracked to deliver advertising and being tracked for your for your location. I suppose in some cases it's a distinction without a difference, but mm-hmm. in this case, uh, it would make a difference. Right. Well, since I mean, in the real chilling effect comes when you know they're tracking you for whatever purpose, advertising that you've opted into, blah blah blah. But then they own that data and they sell that data to somebody like a mortgage company. It's always says, the selling of data that that really bothers me. Like yeah. that should be illegal. 
you opted in so they can do I it. I know. <laughs> yeah. The, the thing that bugs me is when um, law enforcement gets around having to get a warrant by, by buying – by purchasing it from companies that you granted permission to to have the data, uh, to me that's that's a troubling civil liberties issue that needs to be addressed head on sooner, right. sooner than later. But who's going to do that? I mean, the government wants the data, so why are they going to put in regulations to not get the data? That well, it's some parts difficult. of the government want the data. Some, you know, this right. is what this is right. what we're supposed to have our House of Representatives and Senators for. We contact them and say, hey, this is a no go. Can we do something about this? Yeah. This is actually something Ben Yellen and I were chatting about on Caveat a couple weeks ago, sort of the check your privilege kind of moment of, hey, it's great when the civil liberties of people we don't like are being, tra- are being you know, <laughs> trampled, <Yep. laughs> but, uh, but it, doesn't work. it doesn't work that way. So, you know, you just got to be careful with that sort of thing that what's good for the goose is good for the gander and um, – yeah, yeah. I, I, this is where we'd see. I think um, uh, where we're looking for some sort of national data privacy law. This would be one of the things we'd want to be addressed. So that would be good. We'll see. So we had another big story this week, and I'm not sure if we've learned anything new since this just kind of broke yesterday. But uh, what has long been a staple of many cyberpunk and, and dystopian sci-fi books and something that uh, many experts and, and podcasters such as ourselves who are not experts at all have been screaming at the rafters about for a long time. It's the hacking of our infrastructure. And uh, we've got a big story out of Florida. A computer hacker gained access to the water system of a city and tried to pump in a dangerous amount of a chemical. It's uh, basically lie which Mm -hmm. in a small amount needs to be in the water to control acidity, but a large amount could have caused, as they say, major problems, as in (laughs) killing people. Uh, So a plant operator saw an attempt to access the system in the morning, and I love this part, but assumed it was the supervisor. Okay. And another attempt was made early in the afternoon, and this time the hacker accessed the treatment software and increased the content from 100 parts per million to 11,100 parts per million, which is not good. None of this has gotten out. Uh, So they caught it in time. They were able to save the Florida city, which wouldn't have happened in the sci-fi books. Uh, No arrests have been made yet, (laughs) and it is not known if the hack was done from within or the U.S. or outside, but uh, I'm sure that uh, our best and brightest are on this one because this is terrifying. Yeah. Um, So a couple additional details. Um, The software that they were using for remote access is called TeamViewer. Was it done in Flash? uh, (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, we've had a bunch of stories about people have been going around and finding all the people that uh, just ignored the warnings that Flash is going away and all these critical systems that were still running on them. (laughs) Right, 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 exactly. So, uh, yeah, uh, oddly enough, the hacker's name was StrongBad. You beat me to it, you bastard! (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Time to check the sodium hydroxide! <laughs> yeah, it's the last uh, I think bit of affection we all have for Flash is, is <laughs> strong bad. Yeah, that's that's Runner, like the yeah. only thing that people pull out there. Like, <laughs> but it gave us strong bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so it wasn't all bad. Um, so this Team Viewer software is used for remote access. It's something uh, you know, legit piece of software, very easy to use. Um, this sort of remote access is not at all unusual for these sorts of systems, particularly these days with work from home. It's not unusual to be able to have the folks who work on these systems to be able to monitor them remotely. That's generally considered a good thing. It's In also not case, unusual to be loved by anyone. 
That is true. Um, Sorry. <laughs> no. <it's... laughs> uh, in this case, obviously, whoever got in, we, that'll that's the next thing we have to figure out. They didn't, you know, probably didn't have multi-factor uh, enabled. Um, so no one was in any immediate danger. They say that it would have taken between 24 and 36 hours for the chemical composition of the water to change to the degree where it could have been dangerous. Mm-hmm. Um, there are multiple alarm systems in place that if the pH of the water gets thrown off, that it'll that it will alert them. Um, it's possible that the bad guys could hack those Disable alerts. That? So yes. that's that is a po- that is a real possibility. Um, but a lot of folks are looking at this and saying this doesn't look like the work of a sophisticated actor because first of all. Uh, one of the biggest giveaways is when you make someone else's mouse move because that draws attention to itself and people find that really creepy. And so sophisticated hackers tend to not do that. They use the command line or use, you know, shell scripts or, you know, the other things that they use where that I, won't I, happen. I know that won't. that's actually supposed to make me feel better, but the fact that someone unsophisticated managed to get in doesn't really make me <laughs> actually feel makes better. makes it worse. <laughs> well, no, that's – I mean that – yes, you are absolutely – that is a good point. Um, another point I think is that if it was someone sophisticated, they wouldn't have gone in and changed it from 100 to 11,100 like they were leaning on the one key. Um <laughs> You know, they probably would have changed it to 101 and stood back a little while and see if anybody noticed. And then they probably would have started out by trying to boil the frog and see how much could they get away with. These and other tips on the next episode of. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, it it could have been just somebody who, you know, went on Shodan and, and found this thing was hanging out there wide open and decided to have some laughs and see what would happen. Um, could be. A nation state actor who's getting in and testing our systems. It's a small town, 15,000 people. Um, not that that you know, makes that much of a difference. There's still 15,000 real people who, were, who could have potentially been put in harm's way. But That's just case, an afternoon um, of COVID here in Los Angeles. That's nothing. <laughs> <laughs> we're also numb to, to yeah. it. Uh, it was actually but, a hacker uh, from Sparklet's Water. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Um, so is it a big deal? Yeah. Um, I think there's been a lot of breathless reporting on this as, as always. You know, we're all going to die and uh, I think that's a little overblown. But I think certainly this requires a certain amount of attention, which will be paid to it. And uh, hopefully we'll find out soon who was, who, who was responsible. But, I mean, I, uh, I can't help but wonder and then this is just me being me is – I think it's a big deal because this is at least the first case that we know of, or I would say the first case that has been reported of somebody breaking into a system like this. In the U.S. Yeah, um, yeah I was going to say in the U.S. Yeah. 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 There was one in Israel uh, in the past couple of years. Um, there was the – remember there was that dam control system in Ryde, New York. There was that one. So – and people are poking around in these systems. But mm-hmm. yeah, in terms of actually affecting the chemical composition of water, uh, trying to make it dangerous, I think you're right. Uh, this is the first I can recall of that yeah. sort of thing. So, Kevin Costner trying to pitch Waterworld 2, maybe? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm no chemist, but uh, I was trying to look up yesterday just how dangerous 11,000 parts per million 
of sodium hydroxide is. You know, where on the on the scale between water and Drano, where does that sit? And I could not find a good answer. So I don't know if any of our listeners are actual chemists who know this stuff could tell us how caustic would this have been if you get to that level. Is that is that, hey, this water tastes a little funny, or is this, uh, there's a hole been burned in my stomach? I, I suppose uh, we could levels. ask the people of Flint, Michigan. Or we could ask the FBI yeah. when they show up at your house tomorrow, Dave, after seeing your search history. <laughs> <laughs> right. GOG.show oh, slash VPN. My search history with the stuff that I cover. Oh, my Lord. You'd be in Gitmo in 10 minutes if you were a civilian. <laughs> Yeah. Speaking of search histories, our next story. Oh, Pornhub will use biometric data to verify <laughs> uploaders as part of ongoing safety updates. Uh, I mean, this one just writes itself. It's like, do we even need to talk about? <laughs> I'm just like, yeah. What? What? What biometric data? <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. So they're going to be using a service called Yachty. Not okay. to be confused with Yahtzee, which is what you say when you have finished a Pornhub video. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. I usually jump up and down and scream, I won, I won. <laughs> But that's just me. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I kind of go with clean up on aisle two. <laughs> oh, yeah. So Pornhub is going to be uh, partnering with these people to try and get an added layer of protection for their uh, their uploader verification system. Now, mm. uh, all right. Let, let's talk about what could go wrong and what could go right. On the what could go right side, I've got a very short list of nothing. <laughs> on what could go wrong? Oh, just about everything, like your future employment uh, possibilities. Uh, what do you guys think? Uh, you know, it, again, it, it's it was always odd that they were doing this to begin with. The fact that Pornhub is of all sites that I can think of that most people visit fairly often uh, is doing actual more verification than Facebook does uh, for, for, for say um, the fact, I don't know, you know, is, is that a good thing? I suppose. I mean, they're, they're trying to combat um, trafficking. They're trying to combat abuse. They're trying to combat a gazillion other things. Um, copyright. Do, do copyright. Uh, do, do I need my, my, porn verified i don't know i guess so uh it just like you said jason i i, I don't see a lot of pluses here and i see a lot of uh, what could possibly go wrongs <laughs> well, i think a lot of this comes back to the fact that mastercard and visa has blocked them so yeah. they can't get payments and there are a well, lot I could of just take bitcoin yeah hey, good point <laughs> titcoin uh there we go a new cyber uh, currency <laughs> that's that one's for free um but there are a lot of people that do make a living on there and that is how they you know earn money yeah. during these uh, these troubling times and uh, mm -hmm. they're trying I mean to I suppose like are the people that are verified and make a living and this is what they do are are they bothered by this verification level or, or is it just it's part of their job it's what they do for a living well it, it, I don't think they're going to be bothered by it and you know they are getting probably 1099 from Pornhub with all the money that they're making so they're mm -hmm. going to have to have socials or EINs on file so there's your verification right there for a lot of it um right. yeah. you know if if the whole point of this is that people are uploading videos to Pornhub to make money there's a financial trail there that that should be the verification me holding up a picture of my driver's license 
you know, when I'm 35 pounds heavier and had really bad <laughs> hair. Uh, well, I still have really bad hair, but anyway, um, it, that's not, not going to really prove anything. I mean, I can actually, yeah, that. that's a, that's a phenomenal point. I mean, that goes to say the same way that we have set up uh, PayPal's and Patreons for our donations. We have to provide financial information and there you go. That's, that's verification. Mm-hmm. So why not just do that? Wouldn't you have to provide ID, you know, back in the the old days, if you were a, a traditional porn actor, wouldn't you have to provide proof that you were of age? Wasn't that a thing? Oh, yeah. Don't, don't you see, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, the head end of the videos doesn't, uh, <clears throat> I've been told that uh, <clears throat> it includes a section that says that there's someone who is the trustee who keeps all of the, the paperwork that, that verifies everyone is of age. Yep. yep, that and every photo shoot that uh, we ever did in the business, the first Chrome on that that those pages and pages of slides, the first one was the actor holding up their driver's license next to their face. So we mm. had we had proof that everybody was of age before we took a single other frame of film, and you know that's that, but that's the legitimate porn industry. This is Pornhub, so I can right. see where they're probably right. catching up because it's you know and well, the, yeah. the other thing is. Why are people paying money on Pornhub? <laughs> the, the, the head scratcher from the get go. I was like, why? Why? <laughs> it's free. Isn't that the, hmm. the genius? But yeah, I, I understand how it works. And, you know, it, it just seems like there have to be better ways to do this than trying to use any kind of biometric ID. I was just uh, just earlier today. I, I was talking to a researcher. Um, we were talking about deep fakes and mm -hmm. um, that some of the cryptocurrency uh, exchanges they will ask you to submit a video of yourself uh, if you want to get access to uh, an account, a cryptocurrency account. Um, as verification, they will – They are. let's say they already have your ID, they have your driver's license, whatever. But as sort of a not quite real-time verification, they'll ask you to send a video of yourself, you know, face the camera, face to the right, face to the left, hold up a piece of paper that says I am who I say I am, that sort of thing. Um, and there are a couple of companies who have sprung up who are offering deepfakes as a service to help – get around these things. So if I'm trying to, let's say I'm, Jason, let's say I'm trying to break into your Bitcoin account, I can hire this organization to create a deep fake of you doing the things that these companies request in the video request. Mm -hmm. um, and it'll look just like you. That's an interesting, bucks. interesting point. hundred bucks. Yep. Wow. hundred bucks. And, and you can have that done. Uh, to get access to your cryptocurrency. Interesting. So, and yeah. uh, one one in other interesting thing on the trying to break into cryptocurrency, somebody tried to break into Kevin Rose's uh, crypto account last week, and he's like, silly rabbits. I don't use my real email address. And he, this is where he screwed up. He's like, I don't use my real email address. Everything's in cold storage, and I have a three-day lockdown period for any withdrawal. So I'm notified as soon as a withdrawal is set up. So I have three days to fix it. And I'm like, why did you tell him that? Why did you tweet that? <laughs> Why the fuck did you tweet that? Right. <laughs> right. Uh, let, let, me, let me explain OPSEC to you, my friend. <laughs> this well, is not Hubris it. gets you every time, doesn't it? Hubris gets you every time. Yep. I am so good. I'm that good. Well, let's try. You know, that's the mm -hmm. next step. Uh, right. Game on, Kevin wow. Rose. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So... 
Yeah, that that deep fakes as a service was not something I had anticipated this this soon. Well, I thought I'm it not, took longer well, to make them. It's it, no, it's pretty fast these days. The the software out there has gotten incredibly sophisticated very very quickly, which is uh, right. a little bit terrifying. You know, we we've, we've talked about it for a couple of years now, saying that very very soon, video evidence is going to mean absolutely fucking nothing. And, uh, we got a close. video sent to us um, last week that was a uh, one of the new cloud providers is providing access to um, GPUs mm-hmm. uh, so you can buy time on GPUs. Yep. Mm-hmm. And what they sent around was a video of um, a scene from The Fly where Jeff cool. Goldblum mm-hmm. does the transport, except they they replaced him with the guy from Mr. Robot. I forget who that is. Rami um, Malek. Yeah. Ramy There you yeah, go. I they saw that video. Him. Yeah. 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 So but that was a promotion of this cloud company's ability to basically you can buy as many GPUs as you need uh, very inexpensively to and to do this sort of thing. So the infrastructure mm-hmm. is there, just a matter of making it affordable. And evidently it is. You know why it's affordable? Evidently it's legal. Bitcoin. That's why it's affordable <laughs> because everybody because everybody keeps upgrading their Bitcoin miners. So these really nice GPUs get thrown on the market for second hand <laughs> and you can buy them for, you know, a tenth of what they originally cost. And you can make a GPU farm out of those to just do regular video rendering instead of trying to mine Bitcoin. So that that's a little side market. Thanks, Bitcoin, for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, interesting times. Interesting times. Well, I'm going to go make a deep fake of Dave in a stormtrooper outfit. Shouldn't be that hard. It's not that hard to do. I think you can do that. You can do that over a jib jab. That's all they have left. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right. Exactly. Wait, but jib jab was original flash. deep fake. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, jib jab can't be used anymore. It's gone. It has to be. Oh. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> Uh, email. <laughs> Feedback loop. Over at Patreon, we've got Darren, Sleep Too Little, and Fakie McMadeup. Thank you, Fakie McMadeup. <laughs> and over you. at PayPal, we've got David Breed, Andrew, Ralph, Mark, and Michael. Thank you all so much. Over at Twitter, uh, we didn't have too much this week. I see you put this one in because, you know, it agrees with your opinion. Moss6502 writes in, I've been hating the end of the stand for 35 years. I'm Team JP Def, most deaf. All right. That's my man. That's now, my man. okay, so I, I didn't talk about the stand on Media Candy because it's not done yet. Uh, we have one episode to go, but this seems like a, I might as well talk about it here, right? So here sure. we are. Uh, the episode that just aired, and again, spoiler alerts, if you have not read a book that's been around for 35 years or seen the first iteration of the miniseries or have been watching the next generation of the miniseries, I, I'm not spoiling anything for you because obviously you don't give a shit about the stand. So you, you've had time. Um, they fixed a bit of this in the in in the latest one. Uh, the it's it's not a hand of God coming down to to touch the nuke anymore. It's uh, the special effects have come along. They must be using that uh, monitor with the seven seven uh, screens, <laughs> seven on, screens it. So, on it. Seven yeah. screen <laughs> laptop for the special effects on this one. It was a lot better. However, uh, as a whole, the miniseries sucks. It's just it speeds over everything. It's it's too short. They half the character development is gone. Half the good stories are gone. All the little nuggets that make it really great are gone in the interest of speeding up the story. 
I, I'm kind of bummed out about it. There, there's one episode left, which is going to be the wrap up and aftermath and all that. But uh, they did fix the scene is a lot better. Now, having said all of that, I will say to everybody that hates the end of the stand because it's a uh, because God basically shows up and, and helps. That was the whole fucking point of the book. That, that's not you, why I hated it. So that doesn't okay. matter to me. All <laughs> it's right. fine. Because well, a lot of people say that that's the part that they hate. And for me, it's like, okay, so you bought in on the fact that there was Mother Abigail who's talking to God. And then there's the dark man who is obviously uh, the Satan's representative on Earth. And they talk about how the good guys have to go make a stand. And speaking of that, no fucking stand was made in this miniseries. As opposed to the book. Did Ronald D. Moore make it? I feel like it because, <laughs> sure, you had the good guys head towards Las Vegas, but in the book and in the first miniseries, they actually take a fucking stand. There was no stand taken in this miniseries, and the title of the fucking miniseries is The Stand. Like, uh, that part bothered me. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Anyways, if you're buying in on this whole premise, then you have to buy in on the fact that God is eventually going to step in and say, well, they took the stand, so now I'm going to help them out. Yeah, that's, all I'm that's the point. <laughs> no, that's not the part that bothered me about the ending of the book at all. I expected God to show up. That was the point. I got that part. It was way, way more other stuff. But it's, I mean, it was a 48 hour audio book. And so I, what's that, 800 and some odd pages? Something like that. Yeah. yeah. But you did do the extended crazy edition. Yeah, but it was I, – I wanted the extended crazy edition because those generally tend to be better. And so you take a 48-hour book and turn it into, what, an eight-hour uh, – less than that with commercial breaks in it, you know, yep. or time for commercials. It's not going to be the same. You're cutting out a lot. And even in that first episode, they cut out a lot of the stuff that I actually wanted to see. So I'm like, ah, fuck it. Yeah. <laughs> that and that whole like, you know, moving timelines around – uh, not for yeah, me. Yeah, I hate yeah. that. That's hate, what everybody does now. It sucks. Yeah, I still hate it. <laughs> okay, over at GOG Show, Raf uh, uh, writes in, Quant Fund or Metal Band? I played Single this last website. night. <laughs> yep, I played this last night. I suck at it. <laughs> I had a 10% hit rate. It is very difficult to tell. It's extremely yeah. difficult to tell. <laughs> so it's fun. Give it a few yep. minutes. <laughs> Barrett writes in from the I Just Give Up Already file. Next step will be to find a way to target the indigenous tribes with malware hidden in smoke signals. And this is from Bleeping Computer. New phishing attack uses Morse code to hide malicious URLs. This is ingenious. It is pretty pretty crafty. I got to give him that. <laughs> it's pretty crafty. This is worth reading. It basically translates letters and numbers encoded into a series of dots and dashes and then uses uh, some JavaScript, of course, to un un unwield all that and screw up your computer. Yeah, but it's it's clever as fuck. I give him that. Yes, it is. Totally. And Gerard writes in, recently discovered your show on Spotify and really enjoy it. Well, welcome to the club, Gerard. Not sure if I qualify as a grumpy old geek, but I'm definitely a cynical next or but I'm definitely a cynical Gen Xer who's way too into dorky things. Case in point, I used my COVID lockdown to write a satirical sci-fi about potatoes. It's also about social media, world domination, mind control, popular culture, ancient aliens, and fast food, but mostly potatoes. <laughs> it's called God Squatter, and I think you guys might dig it. So go check that out at godsquatter.com. It sounds pretty in the good. Show notes. Yep. Yep. 
Uh, Sleep Too Little writes in, so I'm a little behind on the shows thanks to a nice stay in the hospital with COVID sponsored by my Trump-believing, no-mask-wearing, Facebook-knows-all-the-truth, COVID-denying, even when she has it, mother-in-law that lives with us. But I digress. I'm back at work. (laughs) And I believe Jason mentioned that he was having some sort of issue with his AirPod Pro on show 488. I was also having issues with mine with the controls not working right and the noise canceling acting up randomly. I just figured it was the noise in the truck was too much for at times for it. Cheaply made semi-trucks and road construction play hell on one's hearing. I found this link by accident when I was trying to replace one of my earpieces after my dog found out how yummy they are. I did have to pay for the one my dog chewed on, but that was done via mail, and I took the other one to Worst Buy because Apple shut down the two stores they had in my area. They did their little test on it, found it to be defective per recall, and ordered me a new one. In a few days, I finally had two working AirPod Pros at no cost other than I had to go to Worst Buy. Keep on grumping. And remember, kids, mask up so we don't end up ass up in the grave. And this is the AirPods Pro service program for sound issues. Well, thank you very much. Sleep too little. I'm glad that you're uh, feeling better now. Yep. Carol writes in, hi, guys. Hope you're good. I'm writing because it's getting more and more common for people to think that after vaccinating, we won't have to wear masks anymore. I heard Brian say that in the latest episode, if I'm not mistaken. I, I just, believe you're mistaken. Yep, you're I definitely mistaken. certainly did not say that. <laughs> yes. I just want to let you know that it probably won't be that easy. It's likely that after the current vaccines, you can still get a low viral load in your mouth and nose, but it won't infect you further. Snicker. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> but this... Oh, <laughs> Turn your head. Uh, But this also means it could possibly spread to others. If you're interested, they covered it in episode 811 of the Skeptic's Guide podcast. It starts at 49 minutes. And um, yeah, no, we're going to have masks for forever. Yeah, Uh, I'm sure I didn't say that. Uh, There's no way I said I'm well aware of the fact that we're going to have to be masks for at least another year. Speaking of that, GOG.show slash shop. Get get your masks. (laughs) Um, Yeah. I mean, what I am hoping for, uh, you know, best case scenario is I'm hoping by like Christmas time with everybody in my immediate family vaccinated, we'll be able to have a Christmas dinner indoors without masks with just my family that is vaccinated. But uh, out in public, grocery shopping, things like that, you're going to be, I I expect masks for at least another year. I'm wearing one forever, man. I kind of like not getting a cold. It's great. <laughs> well, you know, that's prevalent in Asian cultures. You see that, yeah. especially if uh, people if people are starting to feel sick at all, they, they wear a mask to protect other people because, you know, nice. Yeah, but we're in the United States. People don't yeah, do things nice for other people. <laughs> uh, I found a link over at CNN that my uh, my friend sent me, and it says, I've had, COVID the, I've had the COVID-19 vaccine. Now what can I safely do? Your question's answered, and it is actually a really good write-up. So mm-hmm. uh, I recommend everybody go read that. It yep. doesn't matter who. Just go read it so you know. Yep. And uh, Elon Musk's wife, Grimes, writes in, <laughs> what if home security cameras had an option to only give footage to police in rare cases, such as child abduction? Knowing how hard it can be to place trust in authorities, would that lack of trust outweigh the seemingly insignificant chance that giving this footage could potentially help save a child? We have a mechanism for this. It's called a warrant. We have warrants. And, and still, <laughs> right now, they still have to ask for it. There's no, there's no like, give it to them filter. Yeah. They have to come ask you for it. Even if you opt into the programs, they have to come ask nicely. They yeah. can, you know, they can, what they can do on their end is they can see where a crime was committed and then they can look at the, uh, the area map and see who's got ring cameras in that area. And then they can come ask you if you opted in and say, hey, we noticed there was a crime, you know, two houses down. Can we get your footage from this time to this time to see if we can find a suspect? Barring that, 
they can come and subpoena you and you can get the get the footage for or they can get the footage from Amazon without you even being involved at some point. I'm probably sure. But yeah. Yeah. And uh, Nosek writes in, in case you haven't heard this yet, this is pretty great. This is Disturbed, The Sound of Silence, which is a parody of The Social Distance or the other way around because I haven't listened to it yet. So I can't tell. <laughs> Me either. You haven't listened to it either? No. All right. Well, it's in the show notes. Been a little busy this week, but uh, yep. check it out. And over at iTunes, we have a five-star rating from Trev2, well-produced and entertaining podcast, which is as grumpy, old, and geeky as it says on the tin. Probably why I enjoy it. Definitely made it to the top of my playlist when it comes out each week from a longtime Australian listener. Well, thank you very much. And Kaleman Tree-Hugging Swampass gave us a two-star saying it's just too political. If I wanted politics, I would subscribe to it. These two are interesting. Confusing. <laughs> I don't get I, it. And I also do want to point out that he wrote, it's just too political twice, and he spelled two in two different ways. Yeah, I mean, that happens. I'm, I'm fine. I, I, it, look, he redeemed himself by saying these two are interesting. Okay. So I'll give him that. Uh, just, you know, stick around. It's getting better. It's getting better. Yep, it is. If you want your question or comment right on the show, head over to GOG.show slash contact and send us your feedback or questions that we can read on the air. And if you're so inclined, please head over to GOG.show slash review and toss us a five star and snarky review. And if you're still listening to us on Overcast, just throw us some stars. Why not? Get us back in the listings. We could use it. It's uh, It's been a little dire over here. A big shout out to friend of the show, MXV, on a speedy recovery from his surgery. He got surgery yesterday and uh, they kept him overnight, which was uh, not part of the plan. So hopefully everything is going okay and he'll be back home soon and uh, listening to his vinyl records as always. I hope he's, I hope he's good. I, I know that the record player elbow can be a touchy, touchy thing. <laughs> Well, he had robot surgery, so we were joking. It's like, I hope they didn't install any malware. <laughs> That's funny. Until next time, I'm Brian Schulmeister. And I'm Jason DeFilippo. Thanks for listening to Grumpy Old Geeks. Show notes for this episode are at GOG.show slash 494. If you like the show, please considering visiting GOG.show slash donate to help us out. Patreon subscribers do get the show ad-free and early when available. Or visit GOG.show slash shop and pick up some GOG swag. Get those masks. And you can come hang out with us at GOG.show slash Discord. If you can't do any of that, then pass the show along to a friend like COVID-19 at a Super Bowl party. Hey-ho. Again, show notes for this episode are at GOG.show slash 494. Stay grumpy. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Coriant.com.